0: What's going on guys? Welcome back to The Break Room. Make sure to punch your ticket and clock out. Today's Sunday, June 27th, and I want to welcome you guys back to The Break Room Podcast, the number one podcast for stock news, information, and financial education. I'm your host, Sebastian Ruiz, I want to welcome you guys back, thanks for tuning in. Uh, As you guys know, these videos take a lot of work and a lot of research, uh, hours, days, so please make sure to like and subscribe and comment uh, anything you guys want me to cover. I'm here for y'all every single week and I'm excited to be back. So hopping right into it. I'm just going to cover what's going on on the market this week, uh, the last week of June, uh, moving into July. And hopefully you guys have a great Independence Day. I know I'm going to enjoy it. So we're just going to go into what's going on this last week of June. Um, On Friday, we're having housing and labor market data as well as housing, uh, the housing price index information is going to be released since we've had such high levels of inflation. So we're going to get a lot of data on that coming out this Friday. Also, we're having employment numbers and June unemployment numbers coming out on July 2nd. And the bottom line on all this is that this data can either put more pressure on the Fed for higher interest rates Or we can see uh, good data that consumers and investors will like and this could inflect a positive mood and um, a good feeling of certainty moving forward into July. So, um, In other news we had the Russell 3000 index rebalancing which was on June 25th last Friday. And for you guys wondering what the Russell 3000 is, it's pretty much an index of the 3,000 largest mid-cap U.S. traded stocks. And it's one of the most, actually most profitable indexes. Uh, Seeing last year had a 45% return year over year, and the year before that had a 38% return. So what this actually implies is that, ETFs and funds that track the Russell will have to buy uh, new shares of the new additions in the rebalancing and on top of this any short percentages of those companies has to be covered. So uh, companies that are being rescrambled into the Russell have you might see uh, a trajectory of an uptrend and looking into a few of those um, actually there's a few that uh were printed out on that list that came out on Friday that have actually been called out on this podcast. And just to give you guys a more relevant example, a good example of this is when Tesla was added to the S and P five hundred. We saw the shorts had to cover. We saw a big, big volatility, big volume, and a and a big jump um, when Tesla was added to the S and P. So uh, we can expect n- nothing so drastic, but definitely nothing negative coming from. Some stocks being added to this index. And just a few of the picks that have been uh, talked about on this podcast, either on this YouTube channel or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Uh, I'm just going to list off a few that I saw uh, on that list. So, Tattooed Chef, ticker TTCF. Riot Blockchain, ticker RIOT. Quantumscape, ticker QS. Palantir Technologies, uh, ticker symbol PLTR. Nicola Corporation, NKLA, Mind Medicine, MNMD, Microvision, MVIS, which I have to say is probably one of my best picks, um, probably the third financial podcast I did in 2020 um, called MVIS out under $3, and if you guys know and have been keeping up with it, it's around $20 a share now, which is bananas, so, you know we're loving that. Um, another one that's also on that list mentioned by, by this podcast, uh, Marathon Digital Holdings, Mara, another blockchain company. Another big banger that was called out, Drive Shack. Called out Drive Shack in 2020, uh, went there with some friends, and then right after had a podcast coming out, and we threw Drive Shack on there, called it out at like a fifteen, and I think it recently hit its uh, 52-week high of $4.50, so Drive Shack, we always believed in you. Uh, some more, Desktop Metal, ticker symbol DM. Blink Charging, ticker symbol BLNK. A census surgical. Surgical, uh, my pick from last episode uh, was put on the rebalancing for the Russell, which is great for them, and they've been pushing and pushing up to f- the $4 price target that I gave. As well as Archimodo Technologies, FUV, AG Eagle Aerial Systems, ticker symbol UAVS, and also Neo uh, ticker symbol NIO. So, um, that's kind of what's going on this week and what happened on Friday. Just wanted to give you guys a quick briefing and without further ado, we'll hop right into the picks for this week. So heading into the picks for this week, guys, I'm going to be getting a lot in depth on the information. Um, this episode is probably going to not go up Monday morning. It's probably going to go up a little bit later, but it's just because I had so much research to do and all this information took me a while to approve and gather together that you know, I wanted to give you guys really great content. We're really close to episode 60, so I want to reframe the podcast and just make it better and better for y'all, especially my, my everyday listeners, every week listeners. So hopping right into it. First pick this week is going to be a channel favorite have called, called this out first in 2020, under $15. Last time it was called out on this podcast was March 14, 2021 at $22. And that's going to be Palantir Technologies, ticker symbol PLTR. So what do we know about Palantir? Well, we know that Palantir has the potential to be one of the most powerful software companies in the world. And according to Morgan Stanley, it has the potential to be a trillion dollar company within the next decade. So why is that? Well, during the pandemic, Palantir emerged as a software data analytics company open to assisting some of the largest commercial companies in various sectors, along with a variety of uh, government agencies, while everybody was going through a really really tough time and during this period everybody used could use a little bit of health and palantir was open to extending a helping hand which in return brought brought upon them some good karma so referring to this good karma what is that going to be contracts out the wazoo government agencies partnerships they found the human side and the human niche of running a business extending the helping hand providing a good service and you know not not being so demanding when the world was in a global pandemic. They were there to ex- extend, extend their helping hand and now they're getting the returns of their great services and now people are willing to pay for those services. Um, these companies and even infrastructures of some companies returned back to Palantir after the reopening of the pandemic to offer huge position in data contracts. And to be uh, namingly more specific, recently Palantir was given, um, recently named part of the Crown Commercial Service, which is a United Kingdom uh, data contract. And it's a back office software project, uh, basically constructed around uh, the United Kingdom infrastructure. And it's worth about $1.2 billion. And Palantir has now been named one of the top players in that contract, which is huge for them. Along with that, they've been extending uh, their partnership with different European um organizations most most recently with media giants ringer Uh, ringer is a europe-based media company which does over a billion in revenue every single year and they've been using palantir's data service foundry to collect and categorize their data more efficiently and since the partnership with palantir ringer has seen their revenue and their website visitors uh increasing and more demand for their services and this is all due to the efficient way of collecting and monitoring data that the Palantir Foundry System has in place. Um, We also know that Palantir's data collection can be used as a great asset but also a way to protect companies and consumers. We already know that Palantir has uh, contracts in the works with government agencies for cybersecurity and the fight against criminal organizations, dangerous individuals, and also horrible black market transactions such as human trafficking and uh, the sex trade. Um, and this specifically ties into something I wanted to touch on. Uh, Facebook has been getting a lot of pressure regarding cybersecurity and the protection of their users. And one connection I wanted to make known is that Peter Thiel, the co-founder of Palantir, was actually an early investor in Facebook and sat on the board of directors uh, with Mark Zuckerberg. And um, with what Facebook is seeing backlash towards on top of their um, user privacy Um Palantir has the ability to help protect the users of Facebook So if more down the line and this is all you know specul Speculatively speaking if we saw a partnership between Palantir and Facebook um, That would be a win-win for both companies one thing that I really wanted to touch on which is really breaking news is that we just got a new partnership between data robot and um, Palantir now What does this entail? Well, the biggest public data analysis and categorization company partners with the biggest private data modeling and autonomous algorithmic data forecasting company. DataRobot focuses on AI data forecasting while Palantir groups that data and models it for better efficiency. So these two companies coming together and Palantir seeing the potential of DataRobot as a great private company moving forward in autonomous data analysis is... Super, super important and has me drooling out the mouth, if I can say so. Um, Going over some quick financials for Palantir, the total government agency revenue they've gotten for partnerships and contracts has surged 75% year over year. And they're also clearly... headed towards dominant machine learning, artificial intelligence, and data analytics provider for the U.S. vendor lists as they keep winning major contracts, including prestigious contracts with the U.S. nuclear stockpile and expanding the partnership with the Space Force. So Palantir really is continuing to move with the times, has the support of some really big commercial companies as well as strong government infrastructures. And as you guys know, as I've said before, I've called this company out back in 2020. The last time I spoke about it online was March 14th at $22. And you guys know I'm a big Palantir bull. I've been holding for a very long time, and I personally am a holder. And I'll give this a long-term price target of $80 by 2022. And um, I'm hopeful that you guys will do your own research, look into it, because I really believe that Palantir has the potential to be the most powerful data software company uh, within the next decade. Moving forward into our next pick this week, it's going to be another channel favorite. And like I said, this is going to be a more in-depth analytical, just giving you guys more news and information. And hopefully um, you guys are are as excited about this as I am. So next pick this week that I'm going to be talking about is going to be ticker symbol NIO, and that's going to be NIO. So a little bit about Neo. Um, Neo is a large cap electric vehicle company, and I'm going to expand that definition because now Neo is defining itself as more of a lifestyle-based company, and we know NIO to be the Chinese Tesla. But after doing a lot of research this past week, uh, NEO is really trying to change that narrative and really become the lifestyle brand of Asia Pacifica. Looking closer, we can draw many comparisons of NEO to Tesla, obviously, as well as some competitive advantage that the Chinese automaker has over the electric monopoly giant. NEO this month announced 10,000 pending orders in the month of June. Um, also, their chip maker, Renaissance renaissance electronics had a fire in their supply chain warehouse in china last quarter um so that was the result of the supply chain decrease but i'm happy to announce now that that uh, warehouse is back to 88 percent production so hopefully that will um not delay any more of those june deliveries neo also struck a new manufacturing deal with jac to double monthly production and in their seasonal report, they expect a total of 50,000 deliveries for their higher-end ET7 vehicle in 2022. And that ET7—it's a beautiful car. I'm probably gonna have a picture on screen here. And it's actually worth 70,000 U.S. dollars on top of other upgrades like that you can do, such as um, you know Tesla allows you to change, you know, the the powertrain or the more efficient battery or the interior. Neo has those same. Neo has those same options for their vehicles, but base price for their highest model is going to be seventy thousand. So with this in mind, what's the best scenario for investors and for Neo? Um, well, we see that they have continued interest in their vehicles. They have a physical feasible product ready to go. Um, if we see more deliveries month by month uh neos expecting profitability between the next 2 years after ramping up and getting these new manufacturing deals in production and it seems like they're very focused on manufacturing and production uh, hence the jac um, manufacturers deal to double their monthly production and now that they have um, their supply chain back to 88% after the unfortunate fire they're just going to keep scaling up and up and up and with the support of the government I mean they have the money coming in they have the workers that um, are being sent in and they're always going to continue to try to be competitive uh, another in going back to the re- the reference of the, Ch- the support of the Chinese government um, the The government is Neo's biggest fan. I mean, they grant they grant the EV companies so many subsidiaries since the inception of the company, and we can kind of see this comparison between uh, the support that Alibaba has and the Chinese government, and it's it's a comparison to Amazon. Um, so Neo has the potential, and with the support of the government, upscaling of production and continued manufacturing, we can see growth into 2022. Uh, another competitive advantage that i wanted to set out uh, for neo was the uh, industrial park that they're actually constructing which will house over 50,000 employees and is said to be 10 times bigger than tesla's california headquarters in Ber- so the chinese government is actually the main backer of neo park it's going to cost 7 billion dollars to build but also headed back to the supply and production news the neo park is actually going to house all of neo's supply components Which will drastically decrease the freight in and freight out costs and will allow Neo to construct everything right on site and will make the cost for each unit cheaper, which will obviously increase their gross margin, which for any business is such a great idea and creating this hub. Um, for all their supply chain and having everything all together is very efficient of them to so do. In, touching back on what I said about um, Neo's transition into a lifestyle brand, um, we can see this through their Neo Life um, project. The company's already begun to building out the infrastructure uh, for this business through its recent partnership with uh, Sinopec, um, through which they're creating 5,000 batteries. Sw- swap stations and if you guys have seen neo life there are um garages and you can pull the car into there and um the your batteries can get swapped in under six minutes so they're almost creating more of a lifestyle brand and wanted to compare neo park almost similar to apple park and uh, that huge compound that Apple has out in California houses a bunch of their employees, a bunch of R&D out there. But instead of R&D at NEO Park, it's going to be very supply chain, very production-based, and a lot of innovation coming out of there, as along with uh, NEO Life development. So with China ramping up and pumping up NEO and the Western culture getting ready for this new EV era that's pushing forward and Ever looming towards us, I think that Neo has the potential to be a trillion dollar company in the long term um, within the decade due to the competitive advantage that we've spoken of, due to the uh, different ideas about Neo Life and the more lifestyle catered brand towards citizens, um, along with ramping up of supply chain efficiency. Um, Neo has great support and all the tools to become a, a very strong competitor, just like um, a similar. Chinese giants such as Alibaba um, Last time we spoke about Neo on this podcast was March 14th at $38 It's now approaching $50 And uh, I personally Am giving it a $100 price target By uh, 2022 So last pick I'm going to get into This week it's going to be a short one It's going to be ticker symbol Alcoa Corporation AA So this is a metal And infrastructure company uh, That wor- is working with metal and aluminum, copper, as well as renewable and low carbon energy. Now, why am I going off pace talking tech, electric vehicles, and then metals? Well, if you guys have been keeping up with the current news, we have an infrastructure bill that's currently in the works right now. Uh, President Biden is recently announced that he got seven and a half billion for electric charging stations and seven and a half billion for renewable infrastructure development which is going to bring a lot of jobs to americans and especially metals like aluminum and copper copper getting a little bit more expensive but it's so essential for um especially moving forward with electric vehicle production with new space travel um and so all these metals are going to be really important once this infrastructure bill is passed in Congress. But on top of this, um, Alcoa Corporation has also been getting higher price targets since um, the infrastructure talk, even even with their adapting with sustainability, it's very appealing for retail investors and green investors that um, the company is moving with the times, but also creating... Also, still having that fundamental core infrastructure business plan. Um, they've been getting 50, 45, and $40 price targets, currently sitting at in the mid-30s right now. They actually just sold a $100 million old smelting property that is going to pop up as $90 million cash equivalent in quarter two. So that's going to be great for their financial statement. They sold some PP&E. And also, Morgan Stanley suggests that Alcoa is actually the top pick in the industrials industry. With all the um, all the adjustment they've made with low carbon energy and renewable, but holding down the strong um, metals foundation that they've been known for since inception, since that this company started back in 1988. So, my personal price target is a $50 price target by December i am um, very, I'm been very interested in metals since started hearing about the infrastructure deal, and I'm super hopeful that this will bring a lot of jobs back to Americans that are looking for something to do after the pandemic or that might have lost jobs. I'm very hopeful that President Biden and Congress can get this infrastructure deal done because I feel that it'll help everybody. So guys, I want to thank you all so much for checking back into the Break Room Podcast. This is episode 59 uh, we're coming up on episode 60. I'm going to make it so awesome for y'all, and I thank the thousands of you that have listened to me every single week, all the suggestions, and um, I want to give a big shout out to Buff Sauce, Water Buffalo, um, my boy Matthew Wynn. Um, I love being connected to different entrepreneurs, uh, people doing their own thing, and shout out my boy, Amazing Pre-Workout. Always got to have my cup of coffee in the morning, and I love reaching out and talking to y'all and sharing uh, with you guys news, information, and just edicate, educating on this uh, financial world that I find so interesting. So I want to thank you all so much for checking back into the break room. Now make sure to go clock back in, and I'll catch you all on the next episode. Peace.